This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. Welcome, friends, to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Today is October 17th, so we are in heavy, heavy times. It's probably the 13th day or so of uh, the war in Israel. If, if today's the 17th, it, it broke out on the 7th. Well, how do I remember that? Because October 7th is my birthday. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. so from now you on, that always remember your birthday. Different meaning, yeah. Yeah. So we're in day 10 of uh, that, uh, of, of what's going on over there. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. We had a podcast recently. I hope everyone had a chance to listen to our last podcast with Charlotte Korchek from Stand With Us Israel. And she did a wonderful job at giving us the background. What do we need to know to understand what's going on? How to understand the situation? How to understand the war? How to understand anti-Semitism? But I, I think the piece that's missing that we still want to talk about and delve into is sort of the spiritual response and the correct response, how to respond. Everyone wants to know you know, what to do about it. So that's really the topic for today. That's what we're going to delve into. And it is a great pleasure to be sitting here with two incredible, incredible women. Welcome, Rebitz and Lori Palatnik to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And it has been a while, but welcoming back my favorite co-host, Dora Buxbaum. Welcome back. Hi, so glad to be here. So uh, really, yeah, this is this is a a zechus. And uh, if you if you're living under a rock and you do not know Rebbitz and Lori Palatnik, she is the founding director of Momentum, formerly the Jewish Women's Renaissance Project. She is a world-renowned Jewish educator, speaker, writer, media personality who has lectured all over the world. She's she authored four books. And uh, she was named one of the 10 women to watch by Jewish Women's International. And if I continue reading the bio, there's not even going to be any time left on the podcast, but really so many wonderful accolades. Um, and and m- most importantly for us is that we had the great merit of having the mentorship of uh, Rebitz and Lori for the first five to eight years of our time over here in D.C., and I think that that I, I would I believe that that's very much a large part of our success over here in the area is having your mentorship. So thank you for that, by the way. Was our, I had good talent to work with. <laughs> Amazing. OK, so I guess the place to start is, Laurie, what's going on? Tell us about the emotional temperature. Just tell us about the response of what you're seeing, you were on your birthday, you were in Canada, you were in Toronto. Yes, and I, I was actually to make for the Sukkot. Back. Yeah, so for Sukkot, for the high holidays in Sukkot, we were in America and Canada. And the last part of it was in Toronto, where I'm originally from. Our home is in Jerusalem. We moved here five years ago. And when Sukkot, uh, it happened on the Shabbat of Sukkot at the end, that war broke out. When my husband came home, from services and said to me, he left early, he got home very early. And I was like, what's going on? And he took me aside and he said, something has happened in Israel. And he just looked at me and he said, hundreds. I'm like, I I, I don't know what you're saying to me. He said, hundreds, Lori, hundreds. So as soon as Shabbat was over, of course, we found out what was happening. And there was no question we were going back. 
like war broke out and I, what happened was all of us, like, because four out of five of my kids gathered in Toronto, I have three kids in Israel, two kids in the States. One of my kids was still in Israel. The reason he didn't come, uh, you know him, Moshi and, and, uh, and Estes because Estes do like she's, she's doing a couple of weeks. So, but four out of five, of my kids were with me Two live in the States two live in Israel. One had already gone back, uh, for the last days of, of the, of the holiday. So she wasn't there and, and my two American kids and my Israeli young, uh, married couple. And there was my American kids turned to me, my daughters, and they said, well, they said, Ima, mother, um, maybe you shouldn't go back. You and you and you and Abba. And I said, we're going back. We're going back. There was no question. So getting back was not so simple because unless you were flying Al Al, which is the national airline of Israel, everybody's flights were canceled. So my husband, because we were had different meetings, I was supposed to have meetings afterwards there in this in New York. My husband had I had an Air Canada ticket. My husband had an LL ticket out of uh, New York, and so he was getting out. And L and Air Canada told me your flight's been canceled. You'll get another flight next week. Thankfully, I had, I had a friend who said. I, you're flying back. You're not separating. There's a war. You're not going to be separated from your husband. And she got me on the last, like, and it was not a cheap ticket. She helped me. It was the last seat on a flight going out 90 minutes after my husband out of New York. And there was a lot of emotion in the air. And I have to tell you, I kept it together, kept it together for my kids and everything that was going on and all the practicals we had to do. And then I got on a, when I got to the airport, you know, there's, a, you know, the, the, the flight was packed full. This is the only country in the world that a war can break out and more people go to the country than leave. Like wow. there, everybody was trying to get to the country to serve, to, to, to support it. It's the most unbelievable feeling. So I wait in line, I get to the front and the, the LL ticket, like the, the clerk, she started asking me just like regular questions. Like, you know, did anybody give you anything? And, but when I heard her Israeli accent, I just started crying. I, I just started crying. It's just like everything that I was holding in. It's just, I just started crying. And then she, she got emotional because everybody there is connected. Everybody has people there serving and people. It was just the, the numbers that were coming out and the horror of what happened was happening. So when I got here, it's, um, there's, it's, it's very intense here. It's very meaningful. I have never been more proud to be a Jew in my entire life. I spent the day today going, we traveled, I went with somebody uh, and we went, who's been helping to bring things to the soldiers. Cause you understand like the, the call went out, there's something called Miluim, which is like a reserve duty. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a national, it's a people's army. So you have like the 18 and 19 year old kids serving, and then you have some career officers who are, who are older, but, but everybody who's ever served and everybody, almost everybody serves is, has a certain amount that they do every year of reserve duty. Everybody was called up. So 350,000 people are now in the army. They, I went today to, to bring them um, um, pictures from uh, kids. I wish I gave every picture away. I wish I had one here. I don't know. I don't have any. I, 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 I had uh, mothers out there uh, getting their kids to, to make pictures for the soldiers and notes. Like some of them are like, they're hilarious. Like they're, they're beautiful, like hearts and peace signs. And like, you've got this. <laughs> okay. Like, I saw some pictures. They were the sweetest things. So sweet. 
So I took all these pictures and I went and, and uh, we raised some money and, and we, and we got things that the soldiers really need that like, like power drinks and, and uh, electrolyte things for their water. And like, there's certain things that they just put out, like they need underwear and they need, uh, they, some of them are like sleeping on the dirt. And so like, you're, you're getting them sleeping bags. And we, we went out and we got sandwiches. They went to LL, LL, like donated all this food for them. And we went down South. I was four kilometers from Gaza. And we got to go on the bases because the person I went with is very connected down there. It was so meaningful. I can't tell you. These people are so young and they are pumped. They are like, they, because of the horror, it's, it's not scaring them. It is galvanizing them because this is not, this is a very different war. It's not country versus country, government versus government. It's good versus evil. It's good versus evil and good must be victorious. And it is very, uh, an incredible time. I'm Canadian. I never lived through a war. Okay. I'm too young to remember Vietnam, basically. Like I'm not, I, I've never had this experience. The siren went off the other day. My husband are like, okay, what do we do? Like, we really like are such idiots. Like we, so now I'm getting prepared and understanding where I should go, what I should have, what should I do? I need 72 hours worth of things that you don't need electricity in order to eat. Like, this is what we're living in. But it is so meaningful. There is so much kindness going on. There is so much kindness. Everybody is dropping everything to support the soldiers and to support the war effort. It is the most spiritually and practically. And, and it is so there is no people like the Jewish people. Wow. I would love to hear a little bit more. I, I see some of these videos coming out and I see how the soldiers and, and I, a lot of the musicians are going down and they're psyching them up and the soldiers themselves. And we're seeing people bringing down tzitzis and all sorts of beautiful things. Um, it's been pointed out by lots of people that all of the strife that was happening in the country, both from a spiritual place, right? We believe that when Jews are fighting, we're vulnerable. The Hashem removes the protection from us when we're fighting with each other. But even just practically, there are those who suggested, and I think my last guest on the podcast suggested that Israel was distracted because of the strife. You know, when we say that it was Sinat Chinam, it was senseless hatred that destroyed the Second Temple, it doesn't only mean in some sort of metaphysical way. It actually means that they they when they were politically destroying you know each other for good reasons and this kind of doesn't mean there was no good reason they were you know fighting politically and that also in some ways it is believed made Israel more vulnerable. What are you seeing besides for what people are doing for the soldiers? But what are you seeing on the actual streets of Israel as far as people coming together and trying to at least heal some of the wounds? that have been, you know, building up over the last many, many months. So you're asking something very, very heavy. So it was probably, I don't know, maybe two months ago, I was at the president's house, like the equivalent to the White House. The, I was at the president's house called Beit Hanasi. Why? Because in 2014, three young boys, like young men, were kidnapped. And for days, people didn't know where they were. And it united the country. It was like people didn't care left or right, religious, not religious. The immigrant, the, the, it united the country to find these boys. The boys, unfortunately, were found. They had been murdered. And the three families, the parents, established something called the, the Unity Prize because of the, the incredible the unity that was felt then. So, so every year, different organizations who are 
who are epitomizing the the concept of which means unity without uniformity. Unity doesn't mean we all think the same. <laughs> we all vote the same. No, unity means that even because even with our differences, we're we're a family, like we're one. So I was there to accept the award. It was the the for the global it, like they have local uh, awards and and global awards for the global work that momentum has done. Wow. And I had very mixed feelings. Here were these three families. I happened to know two of the mothers who, through my work and everything we're doing. One is on our public council, Racheli Frankel. And I had very mixed feelings. On one hand, yay, we won the Unity Prize. On the other hand, this is what it took to promote unity, that we had, it took three boys being kidnapped and murdered to bring the country together. And I'm also accepting the award at a time when the country was the most fractured I've ever seen and anybody's seen in decades. They didn't know if the country was going to survive. And I was talking at the beginning of Sukkot when I was in Toronto about this. See, as, as you said, Rabbi, the, that the, we're, we're not, the temple was not destroyed and we're in exile and, and we are not where we're supposed to be as, as a people because we didn't keep kosher and Shabbat. We're taught, as you said, sinat chinam, sinat chinam, senseless hatred. So our rabbi, Rabbi Noah Weinberg, the founder of Eshet Torah, of blessed memory, he said the definition of sinat chinam is when you hate somebody because their mistakes are different than yours. I would never do that. We believe you, but you would do something else. What is the opposite? What's the tikkun? What's the rectification? People, I believe, mistakenly say, oh, it's a it's a of havat khinam, the senseless love. Can you imagine, Deborah, if your husband on your wedding anniversary said, Deborah, I love you. And you said, really? Why? He goes, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't feel very good. But if he said, Deborah, I love you because you're such a devoted mother, because you care so much about the Jewish people, because you're, now that feels good. So the opposite of sinat chinam is not a havat chinam, it's a hava bekavana. It's love with a purpose, love with intent, to see within each person, even with their mistakes, what it is to love about them. So what happened? The three boys, that was a warm-up. What's going on now with the, the country so fracked that was, it was literally falling apart, we were like killing each other, and this happened? I have never seen such achdut in my life. There's still, there, it's simmering underneath of like what happened and who made this happen and this government and everything. But everybody's all saying like that will be for afterwards. There will be an accounting afterwards. For now, it's there. It is there is unbelievable achdut v'lo achidut, unity without uniformity. Incredible, but it's so sad and painful that this is what it took. Yeah, and obviously the question that people that people wonder is after this is all over and hopefully it'll be over quick. Now they're saying it's going to happen a little bit longer, but but obviously people are wondering. Okay, so yes, we we're coming together now, but is it real? How long is it going to last? And uh, I mean, I I have some thoughts on that, but I'm just curious. Like, what 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 do you think about that? What's your response? You're like, okay, this is temporary, but after this is all over, we're going to get back to fighting. You know. Right, right back where we were. You know, after COVID, people were saying, oh, thank God we can go back to the way it was. And I said, if you go back to the way it was, this was for nothing. This was for nothing. 
So Hashem sometimes has to just keep keep turning it up and keep dialing it up until we get it. Like if your kid is not like in COVID, like everybody was put in timeout. I, I said it was Gilligan's Island meets the Jetsons. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gilligan's Island. Like now you're shipwrecked on this island. This is who you're going to be with. But we, it was the Jetsons. We had all this like electronics and we could see people when we talk. Listen, it's generational. You're, you're, you're too young to remember. I remember the Jetsons. Okay, fine. <laughs> so the re that's the a very cute analogy. I love it. No, but that's what it was. Yeah. So, but Hashem put the whole world in timeout. Why you put your kids in timeout? Clearly they were not acting their best. They're making mistakes with their words, their thoughts, their actions. So now you have to think, and we were all put in timeout. So if your kid goes in timeout and you put them on the stairs, one kid hits, I know your kids are perfect, but let's say one hits the other one with a, with a truck over the head. So you're like, you put them in timeout. So uh, Sarah Hannah Radcliffe, my friend, who's a child psychologist in Toronto, she goes, you, one minute timeout for every age. Okay. So if they're five years old, five minutes timeout. So you're sitting there on the stairs after five minutes, they come back and you say, tell your sister, tell your brother, you're sorry. And what do they say? Sorry. Well, that brought tears to my eyes. That wasn't a real story. Okay. Is it going to happen again? Yes. We can't go back to the way it was. If we don't, if we don't introspect and change and whatever, like we, we came out of it, Hashem is just keeps dialing it up and dialing it up. Are we going to go back in Israel or the Jewish people? Because somebody called me out from Toronto where I'm originally from. And he said, Lori, there's no more reform conservative Orthodox. We're all just Jews. But this is what it took. This is what it took. Are we going to go back to the way it was? This one was so horrific. It was so horrific. I was actually in the town that was hit the hardest. It, it's the, it's, it is so beyond comprehension. So we're so far away from the pogroms and the Holocaust, mm -hmm. but it's right in front of us right now. Mm -hmm. It's right in front of us. So that change, that change from the Holocaust and the pogroms, that that change didn't just stay for a few minutes. So we'll see. We'll see what's going to be. But you know what? We have to deal with what's right now. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about the difference between now and the future because it's very important. Because now you talk to people, it's like everybody's sitting shiva. Like everybody's so down. Our rabbi taught us that happiness is taking pleasure in what you have. That means it's counting your blessings. No matter what's going on is to see the goodness, see God's blessings, see so many things that we're thankful for. Because if you don't take a lot of pleasure, he said, you won't be able to take the pain. That pleasure is the fuel to get through the pain. Simcha, joy, is different. Happiness is taking pleasure now. It's very here. Simcha is knowing there'll be future happiness. So why do we call uh, a brit milah, like a simcha? Why do we call uh, a bar bat mitzvah a simcha? Why do we call a wedding? And they're having weddings on the on the army bases. They're, they're, the, the life is going on. Am Yisrael Chai, we live. Why do we call it a simcha? Why? What's the difference? It's not the moment. Yeah, it was nice catering, nice music, nice dancing, nice dress. Why do we call those incredible milestones simcha? Because it's very future-oriented. The Brit Milah, it's like the, 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 this baby is coming into the covenant, being part of the Jewish people, the potential of, of, of that. The Bar and Bat Mitzvah, now I'm responsible for the commandments, the potential of being a responsible Jew. A wedding, it's not the moment, it's a new couple and the potential of this new family. So Reb Noach, our rabbi said, even at your deepest pain, even when you're sitting Shiva, even when you're in mourning, you have to have one track on Simcha. There will be future happiness. And he said, if the Jewish people through history hadn't always had one track on happiness, 
on on Simcha, I mean, on one track on Simcha, there will be future happiness. We would have given up a long time ago. We can't, we have to have Simcha. Like I'm telling you, like there's so many videos out there of them dancing and singing on the army bases. There is pain. There is death all around. There are so many funerals. There are so many shivas to go to. They are calling out for volunteers to dig graves. We, there, there's not enough grave diggers. That's what's going on. And yet they're still getting married and they're still singing. The Jewish people, Am Yisrael Chai, the Jewish nation lives. Yeah, beautifully said. Beautifully said. I love that. I love the. I, I love that recognition. And I think this is this is the message that we're trying to give over. And that is that like there are two tracks and you can be on both of those tracks at once. Like you, we have the space in our heart to be not depressed, but to be brokenhearted and also to be joyous. And in some, in some wild and weird way where actually your brokenheartedness is actually, it's not, it's not detracting your simcha, but it's actually fueling it. And, and, you know, in some ways, even giving you more koach, because more yeah. in, in as much as you, you've, you've discovered a, a whole new level of brokenheartedness, it's also an opening to discover a whole new uh, element of, of simcha that resides inside of you. So it's uh, you know, powerful. We, we talk prayer is, is described as an expression of the heart. So what could be possibly greater than words that come from a heart in prayer? Words that come from a broken heart. Those are the deepest, deepest prayers. And that's what's going on. Our hearts are broken, but that means our prayers are deeper. Our connection is stronger. We're calling out. We're, we're calling out. We're, call, we're calling up. We're like, this is it. Like, this is it. We're all, Jews are standing up. Jews who have the farthest away, some of our relatives who have like, like, like they, there's nothing Jewish they do in any aspect of their life are are calling out to us, are connecting, are feeling Jewish, are standing up, are, it's unbelievable what's happening, like the story after story after story. But again, this is what it took. Like, you know, we were talking about like, unity without uniformity, and how you said it, Rabbi, at the beginning, that that bracha and, and divine protection happens when we're one. Even if we make a mistake, like in the Tower of Babel, okay, if we make the mistake together, there's still a little nachas that, that, that God has. So, you see it like I don't know about your kids. Like you know, you happen to know my children. So mm -hmm. my kids are are they different? <laughs> They're very different. Okay? <laughs> They're different in every way: personality, yeah. religiously, politically, geographically. Mm -hmm. pers they love each other. They have each other's back. And when they're like that, my husband and I will give them the world. But when they're like yin yin at each other, there's no greater pain for a parent than if their children won't be in the same room, won't be at the same simcha, that the only time they come together is at the funeral. So Hashem, you know, somebody said something very, uh, so, so obvious, but I never, it never dawned on me. They said, the longest relationship of your life is with your siblings. Think about it. Everybody else is a temporary part of your life at a different phase of your life. Your siblings at the longest relationship of your life. These, why are people in pain, the Jewish people outside of Israel, who some of them have never been to Israel because they know this, this is my family. These are my brothers and sisters. The, the, these are my children that were killed. These are my, my brothers and sisters and, and my children who are abducted. Like we feel that pain. Even if we've never, we don't speak a word of Hebrew. We've never been to Israel in our life. Like we know that we're a family. And so this pain that we feel is bringing us together. Mm -hmm. And we hope that the merit of that is going to bring miracles and, and victory.
I'm into that. And I, I and I would say also, even if it does, even if in a, in in a couple of months from now or a few months from now, and hopefully this will all be over quickly, but even if it does go back to, you know, people protesting, da, 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 like what we're seeing now, this is unity, unity, unity. Like this is everyone, this is kumbaya. And I don't think that the Almighty expects that we're going to be cool. like, we're Jews, we have opinions. Yes, we protest. And yes, and it's okay to see things different. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think maybe it went too far. And now Hashem is just, this is this is a reminder, like we could do it. And then once we have that, even if we go back to the fighting afterwards, it's going to be different. There's going yeah, to be something I, I different underlying. Look at, look at the Talmud. People disagree. Okay, but if you disagree with goodwill, with like, with still love, and I can respect even if I don't agree with you and I don't live by your values, I can still love you and respect who you are. And I think that, unfortunately, this is what it's taking. I want to tell you one story about the protest, though, because even at the height of the protest, you really see like the, who the Jewish people are. My daughter told me a story about a woman that, that was uh, very on the left, very on the left. And there was a Hafkanah. There was going to be a big protest. And everybody comes with flags. Okay. Everybody comes with flags. So she didn't have a flag. So she went, uh, the only person who's getting rich on this protest is the flag makers. So she <laughs> went to her, she had a neighbor who's very on the right. And she said, can I, there's a protest. And I said, can I, can I, can I borrow your flag? She goes, okay, no problem. But tomorrow I have a protest. So please give it back. It's the same flag. Mm -hmm. They're waving the same flag and they do feel strong. And we know that, you know, like this whole thing, two Jews, three opinions. Like if they were going to, if they were going to, if your, if your municipality decided like, maybe we're going to repave your roads, but it's going to, you know, increase your taxes. So they do a survey in your neighborhood. Okay. Who says yes? Who says no? Who says no opinion? So it comes out, this percentage said yes. This percentage said no. This percentage said no opinion. Where are the Jews? Either oh. in yes or no. They're not in no opinion. Right. Jews right. have opinions. Okay. So either they said yes or they said no. We're not in no opinion. So Jews care because Jews care. Jews marched with the blacks, with Martin Luther King. Jews are started feminism. Jews started communism. Jews are like, they want to make social change because they're driven. It's a drive for God. It's a drive for justice. Sometimes it goes the wrong way and sometimes it's misguided, but Jews care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to switch gears for a moment, not for a moment. I want to switch gears and you've really done a beautiful job sharing the Israeli response. And I want to spend the rest of our time now speaking a little bit about our response, the response of what we're seeing over here. And uh, maybe, Dvorak, can, you can speak to this for a couple of minutes. We're seeing something very, very interesting. On the one hand, you know, we were expecting Dvorak was going to be leaving next week on a momentum trip with 45 women. And this has galvanized them. Like, this has brought them together in a wonderful way. And you can speak to that in a moment. But also we're seeing hysteria and people with nothing to latch onto. And one of the things that in all of my classes, what I'm teaching about, about faith, is that if you have solid faith coming in, you can handle anything that happens and you know exactly where to go and you know exactly you know, how to process something with all the brokenheartedness, but you can process it. And if you don't have that, you know, disaster, disaster, because it's it's very hard to start working on faith in real time, like when you need it. So, you know, Dvorah's really been out speaking to people. I've been trying to, you know, create content, but Dvorah's really been out having these conversations. So Dvorah, maybe you can share a little bit about 
number one, what's going on within your momentum group, who a lot of why we wanted to do this podcast is to address their disappointment of not going to Israel, but also just some of the other conversations that you're having. Yeah, there's so much to be said. So I think it's it's unbelievable, you know, as uh as it was becoming very clear that that our momentum trip was going to be postponed. Um, the first thing that I thought to myself was, you know, Israel is what brought us together and we will stay united for Israel. Meaning like our group can't, like if we give up now and we just become like a dismantled bunch of women who just randomly happen to have been, oh yeah, remember that trip we were supposed to go on together? Like we would totally be missing the boat. And what I am seeing from my 45 women from the greater Washington area is that not one of them have closed the door. Every single one of them have opened their heart even greater. Our WhatsApp chat is louder and more empowering that I've ever seen. These women are creating Facebook, um, you know, just just raising money for Israel. They're empowering each other to, to raise money on their own platforms, all sending money to Israel. They're writing beautiful articles and sharing articles. One of the women whose article went literally viral within just 12 hours of putting it out there, The Quiet American Jew. And just really trying to rally up. They're trying to get together. They're trying to show support for one another. They're trying to grow spiritually. They're looking for connection. They're looking for meaning. And and I am trying to create a, a platform and, and a space and a place to just keep these ladies plugged in and growing together and uniting together. And please, God, we will get to Israel together. We will go. And I believe that our, our group will be stronger than any other group that we've sent. And um, and I, I think it's a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. So I, and I know that there are other momentum groups who all, I mean, it was thousands of women who were supposed to go in the next few weeks. And, yeah. and, 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 and I know men that they, also, yeah. and men, too. I yeah. know that they all feel the same way. It's incredible to see what we can do together and, and, and really like to really just strengthen the, those women, you know, who really like, yes, it's really nice when the trip can kickstart and jumpstart a real journey. But clearly, there were other plans. And, and you know, thank God, we had already had a few pre trip meetings. And our, our final pre trip meeting was scheduled for the night after Simchat Torah, which was really right after the war broke out. And people walked in and they said, wow, you know, this, this feels like a Shiva call that those were the words that were, people were saying, like, we feel like we're coming to a Shiva call and for the 45 women to be together in that way and to hold each other's hands and to give each other. I said, thank God, look, we never appreciated giving each other a hug. At least we can be in the same space. It's not COVID, but to really just, you know, verbalize a lot of feelings that we were feeling people who, um, bald like babies, just letting out certain feelings that they had been feeling, either silence from their non-Jewish friends or just, you know, different emotions that people were feeling and struggling with. And suddenly this sisterhood that could just raise each other up. And we started with prayers and we ended with dancing. And we, 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 I taught the women the Salam song, which is something that we, it's a very big momentum song. And and just to teach them like, Shalom, that's, oh yeah, we taught them the Salam. And, and I said, guys, when we go, like when we're going to do this dance there, like this dance is going to be something, mean something so new and something so different and so profoundly deep. It's just incredible. So I've gotten a lot of texts and like, I'm so sorry. I'm so disappointed. I'm devastated for you. And I said, please share your devastation for others. 
we don't need devastation. I I understand, you know, you're trying to support me and it and it is disappointing. Um, but what's happening here is something beyond what I could have even even dreamed of. And I'm I'm really, really, really grateful to have this group of women who I really, you know, just these new soul sisters. It's very, very, very special. So I just want to tell you, Devorah, and I want to tell every one of your 45 women that I'm jealous. You are going to be the most powerful group when you do come, God willing, probably at the beginning of 2024. Why? You know, Rabbi Dessler asked in his work, Strive for Truth, the Jewish philosophical question, does loving lead to giving or does giving lead to loving? I love you, so I give to you, or the more I give to you, the more I love you. And we know the Jewish answer is the more you give, the more you love. Your group is going to spend the next few months giving to Israel. Financially, spiritually, practically, by the time your group comes to Israel, you're already in love. You're already in love. And so it's going to be the most powerful group ever. And I'm jealous. I hope I merit to be your, your leader, your trip leader, but who knows who your momentum educator is going to be. Mm -hmm. But I, hopefully I'll be here, God willing, to greet you because it will be momentum's finest hour, Israel's finest hour, the Jewish people's finest hour. Amen. Yes, amen. So we're hearing a lot of the good stuff and a lot of how the the Israeli people have stepped up and and I, I've witnessed with my own eyes what they were saying. Her women have been great. Um, but that is definitely not the voice that we're hearing from everyone. So there definitely is, like I mentioned earlier, there are lots of people that don't know what to do right now. And I think that for a lot of the people that we're speaking to, who maybe their go-to place is not emuna, is not faith, um, I think, number one, immediately what seems to occupy their whole picture, all this is the world is turning against us. Everybody's an anti-Semite. Why is no one saying anything? And uh, Taylor Swift didn't post anything on her Instagram. So there must be another Holocaust coming. And that kind of pretty much sums it up. <laughs> so the question is, you know, again, I, to, to me, to Dvorah, I think we grew up from, from a young age with th this appreciation that like, when something horrible is happening, look inwards, make a difference to yourself. So therefore, that resonates with us. Um, another thing is that I think that we also grew up with, like, without this attitude of freaking out over anti-Semitism. It was almost like we learned, like, that's going to be a part of what it means to be a Jew in this world. Like, accept that. So I, I think that that grounds us. But I don't think that all of our American Jewish friends feel that way. So, Lori, what I would love to ask you is if you can, if you could speak a little bit to that, to people listening who have a hard time going to that place, and just to give us a little bit of the 101 as to what it means to respond as a Jew in a time of crisis from a spiritual perspective. Sure. Um, so first of all, I, I think we have to talk about anti-Semitism. I have been watching newscasts where they're interviewing experts on Israel and the geopolitical situation who have been amazing. They're unbelievably intelligent. And I, I there's one and one and this non-Jewish like newscaster asked asked him, you know, at the end, why why do they hate you? What why why do people hate Jews? Why what and he said, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. 
So Judy, so anti-Semitism, he was right, doesn't make any sense. They hate us when we're rich. Oh, they control the world. They hated us when we were poor. We're living in the shtetls, okay? They hate us when we're like them, when we assimilate. They hate us when we're apart from them and we don't. They, it doesn't make any sense. So our rabbi of blessed memory used to quote Adolf Hitler, Yamach Shemo, his name should be erased. In his work, Mein Kampf, that he wrote when he was in jail before he became who he became, he wrote that the Jews have brought two blights upon the world, circumcision to the body and conscience to the soul. The war is between me and the Jews. <laughs> he said it. If you wipe out your conscience, you can do anything you want. We are the moral compass of the world. We represent God in the world, even if we're not aware of it, just our very presence. God's chosen people does not mean we're better. God loves all his children. He loves all the nations. And he did not create them to be evil. The Germans chose evil. Hamas was founded upon evil. God gave us the gift of free will. We can choose right from wrong. We ch can choose good from evil. You have to know that, and our rabbi used to say, when you know what you're willing to die for, now you know what you're willing to live for. He would ask a CEO of a, of a corporation, would you give your life for your company? No. Would you give your life for your kids? Of course. Oh, you wouldn't die for your company, but you seem to be spending a lot of time at your company and you would die for your kids. How much time do you spend with your kids? I spent the day meeting young men after young men and even some women who are willing to die for Israel and the Jewish people. They're not just fighting for a country. They're fighting for the Jewish people. They're fighting for the nation. And they told me all the gifts and all the equipment and everything that's coming from the outside of Israel is what is lifting them. They said people's prayers and the gifts that they're sending, the equipment that they're sending, for some reason, the government wasn't ready for this. And so they, they, they are like a bulletproof vest have to come from abroad and it's happening. People are chartering planes and people are raising money and people have never been so, they feel they're being lifted. They said, we're not being lifted and we're not going to win because of a government. It's because of our people, our people. So if you know that what we represent and, and what our job is, you know, I, whenever you get it, like we, we always tell, I tell my kids. Never take a job unless there's a job description. Never take a job unless there's a job description. Like if you take a job and there's no job description. So now you get your, your end of year review and they say, you know what? We're really disappointed. Like we're going to let you go. You're like, what are you talking about? I did this, this, and this. They go, yeah, but we wanted you to do that, that, and that. So you have a job description and you have something to measure against how I'm doing, how you think I'm doing. So the Jewish people were given a job description at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, or Lagoyim, light unto the nations. And if the world is going down and that there, if there is evil, if darkness reigns, we're not being that light. We're not doing our job. So this is a huge, heavy, unfortunately, very painful reminder of who we are, that we are one, that we are one family and we don't have to vote the same and we don't have to have the same values. Like, but we're a family and we have to have each other's back and we have to know what our job is, that we have to be a moral beacon to the world. 
And if the example to the world of the Jewish people is Harvey Weinstein and Bernie Madoff and Jeffrey Epstein, then we're a very, very dim light unto the nations. Well said. Well said. So, so when someone is asking the question, okay, you know, what do obviously the first thing that that people immediately jump, the first thing is where where can I give money to? Okay, because that seems to be you know a very direct thing, and is okay where can I give money to? And then you know people want to pray. That's always a good idea. Give me a name of a soldier. You know, pray. Fine. So those are pretty much you know the most direct ways that an American Jew can uh, can affect it you you've given charity and you have the name of a soldier and you're praying um what's what's next like how can we take it and i and and i want to say something else that um it's it, it's a discussion that we have in the home and i'm always nervous saying this and sometimes i feel bad saying this but sometimes i feel that people like the, the whole thing of like give me a soldier to pray for like it's almost more to like make people feel like oh like oh, I'm doing something I have to do something I'm out of control like, give me a soldier to pray for rather than really like entering into like the depths of their heart and really you know go going deep as to like what does Hashem want from me now and 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 you know I'm sorry for being cynical about that but it's just sometimes like like you're not even stopping to feel like you're just like I I need to do something so there's something to do but. How do you suggest that people can really take this and turn it into a light and really go go deep and and and, and become an Orlegoyan? Like, let's get practical. Okay, so it, it was as if, as if you were in our team meeting today at Momentum. So we have seventy people work for Momentum, and we had our direct the directors of all the teams had a meeting today talking about what to what like next steps. So first of all, you can go to momentumunlimited.org, and there are practical things there to do. But there's going to be much more coming, and everybody we have to respect that every when there's a situation that everybody reacts in a different way. Some people are inspired to action. Some people are putting the 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 covers over their head. Some people are are ready to lead and to fight, and some people are taking pen to paper and writing to their congressman. So it's okay to react in different ways, and it's okay to respect that everybody has to process this. This is only day if if October seventh was day one. This is day eleven. It's it it feels like an eternity. It's only day eleven, and it's. There's looks like there's, you know, going to be a ground invasion. And, and I was just there. I saw all the tanks. Like I saw these young men and they're, they're, they're pumped to go in. And there's 199 captives. People were kidnapped, children, elderly people, a, a woman with multiple sclerosis. Like this is like, like an autistic child. Like it's, it's unbelievable what is going on, the atrocities. And everybody has to, God made everybody unique. So you have to decide based on my unique talents. Like Devor was telling me recently, like somebody, she says like, oh, I want you, because I told her there's somebody uh, in her 45 group, they wrote this beautiful, beautiful piece that really spoke to everybody and, and they can contact you to see it. It's just it was so beautiful. And I told her like when, when she comes to the, on the momentum trip in 2024, she's going to get on the stage with me and read in front of everybody. And she told Devor like, no, no, I'm not going to read it. I'm a writer. 
Okay. So use that talent. Everybody has different skills. I, 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 everybody has, you have to decide like, what did, what did Hashem give me? What did God give me? And how can I use it now for good? Like, like we often use it for, to make money or we use it to show off or we use it to be proud. So now use it and channel it to the Jewish people. So like, so what is your talent? What is your skill? Like, are you an organizer? Are you a leader? Are you a writer? Are you a, um, a behind the scenes person? Like everybody has to figure out what they can do. And there's many, like you just Google and there's many places. And I'm sure people can come to you, the box bounce, because don't go to some place that's going to be a waste of time and money. Cause not everybody is being legit. Like it always, there's always outliers and people who are, you know, whenever there's a crisis, there, there are scams going on. So you want to know like, who's really doing the right work and the good work. And there are people who are sending me money into a discretionary fund and saying, Lori, you're on the ground there. I trust you. Use it the way you 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 need you know it needs to be done. And so and that's what I've been doing. And there's a lone soldier center here. And like that so some people are there at the lone soldier center, you know, stocking the shelves. And some people are raising the money and some people are bringing the goods. Okay. Everybody does what they can. So I do want to say that, you know, and it's a combination of Mr. Rogers and what what is it that you should do. Uh, uh, the combination of anti-Semitism, I mean, and what you should do. So Mr. Rogers, which was like a child's, you know, a program like many years ago, he was really like a very special, soulful, mm. amazing person. So he said when there was a crisis, he he spoke to the children. He said, my mother always told me when there's a crisis, look for the helpers. Look for the helpers. So even though it is very painful to realize that you're a non-Jewish coworker, is either ignorant or ambivalent or 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 an anti-Semite. Look for the helpers. There are friends out there. There are people who are non-Jews who are standing up, Jews who never even identified as Jewish or are coming out of the woodwork. Look for the helpers and be a helper. Be a helper. Okay, last thing. This is a hard question. And I know that you'll do it justice. And I know that we discussed it before. And you, you know, you, you, again, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you to decide how much you want to go into this. But again, I grew up when something like this happened, especially, especially when it had to do with, you know, radical Islamic jihadists, which the Torah calls the world of Yishmael. We know going back to the Torah that there's strife and there's many, many prophecies that we have. And again, without going into that whole thing, and I haven't discussed it on the podcast, right, at all yet. But my immediate brain, my immediate heart goes into the space of this. There's a master plan over here. There's a story that's being told the story that started with Abraham, with Avraham, story that have that began at, at, at Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, and a story that is unfolding throughout history, and a story that's going to have a big, beautiful ending, but we don't know the ending until we get to the ending. And to me, when something like this happens, my immediate mind goes to, okay, we this is a new chapter. And maybe this is one of the chapters that's really going to lead us to that place. And because of that, with all the harm, with all the pain, it's like, oh my gosh, like this is big. This is big. Something big is happening right now. But the idea of a master plan and Hashem is planning something over here and this is about to lead to something is definitely a concept that is probably foreign to a lot of our people and and, and a little bit hard to explain. So 
Um, I'm going to give you the the hard job, <laughs> but again, if there's a listener out there that, you know, that, you know, I'm sure there's no one out there that, does, that has no idea what I'm talking about, but to try to give over to the listener who's wondering, where is God now? How is this part of a master plan? How do I process this from a place of faith? What do you say? Yeah, it's just so, such a simple question. <laughs> Obviously, this is a low pursuit. It's not simple. It's not simple. Uh, during COVID, I felt that we were living in historic times, that there was never, even, you know, we had a collective world experience at COVID. There's never been, when was the last time the whole world shared an experience? When was the last time? It's like, you know, the 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 world wars, where it wasn't every country. And I love how Americans, you're both Americans, like, you know, I'm Canadian, like, like the, the world series, the world <laughs> like really, the world okay like one canadian team okay the world series so i i love americans they're so confident <laughs> they're <laughs> so there was this world shared experience that we had that was historic historic and i believe and painful and illuminating and it pushed people to a different place and it turned a spotlight into our homes and our lives people that were, it was there all along, but they didn't want to see it. What was there all along? The people called me up. One, one woman, she said, you know, now that they were in Gilligan's Island and they were like shut down together. She goes, you know, Lori, I always knew my husband. He drank a little bit too much. Now I realize he's an alcoholic. Is my marriage over? I said, no, your marriage is not over. And thank God, you know, now, now let's get you some help. And we were able to get them help and they pulled it out. Another woman called me up and she said, Lori, my, my son came back from college to like shut, you know, to, to quarantine with us. I thought, I thought I had a good relationship with my son. And now I realize that my son hates me. I didn't know. I said, thank God, you know, what would be a life where you're living in illusion where you don't know there's an issue or a problem that you can solve. Hashem turned on a spotlight into our lives, a magnifying glass. And because we were running around doing all the time and we had to see things that we needed to see. So the pain of not just the war, but of realizing that there's tremendous anti-Semitism, that people that you thought were just nice and whatever, like, and now the things they're saying or not saying, the silence that is deafening from some of them, it's good that we know. It's not good not to know. And knowing also that I'm feeling the pain of people I've never met who live in a country I may never have, have visited or maybe I visited once. Knowing that I'm, I feel part of a family of the Jewish people, like that's amazing. That's amazing. And what does it mean to be the Jewish people? What do we represent to the world? This God is turning on the spotlight He's, he's just ratcheting it up and the magnifying glass is getting more intense. So we're not on the 10 yard line now. I think we're on the two yard line because there is an ultimate destiny. One of the 13 principles of faith set out by the Rambam Maimonides is the belief in the Mashiach, the, the Messiah, that there will be a leader who will lead the Jewish people to victory. And it says it may be through war. It could be through good things or it could be through tremendously terrible things. And ultimately, the Jews will be vict victorious and all the world will know that God is one 
and the Jews will know what they're supposed to be doing and will do it. And the non-Jews will know what they're supposed to be doing and they will do it. And all the Jews will return to Israel. People live with this concept in such a real way that I know more than one person who owns an apartment in the old city of Jerusalem, right near the Western Wall, the Kotel. But they don't live there. They live in America, but they own a place there. And so they rent it to people. And people have signed like like rental agreements. And there's different clauses like, you know, painting and and, and when you pay and everything. And more than one has signed a, a lease that has a Mashiach clause. And it says when the Mashiach comes, you have to vacate within a certain amount of days because I'm coming back. Like I'm coming. Like I Beautiful. need my place. Yeah, it's amazing. Do I live with it as much as I do ever since COVID? It's it's it actually is 9-11. After 9-11, I was like, I started reading the scary prophets. You start reading the scary prophets and you start seeing like, oh my gosh, this it's happening now. Like we're seeing it now. Like death, like history is unfolding before our eyes, as you say. And that is amazing and exciting. But unfortunately, it's coming through very painful ways. But you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. And before you give birth, there's transitions, the most painful time before life comes. So I, I hope the pain is very short now, and I hope it leads to unbelievable light and unbelievable life. I mean, there was so much hope over here. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Lori. Thank you, Dvora. And uh, I just want to echo, like, I don't, I, I, we're, we're, we're no stranger to this. I love how you said that we're on the two yard line. I deeply believe that. And I, and, and again, and for those of our listeners who don't know, it's not that we're the two yard line with no game plan, with no strategy. Like Hashem built us for this. You know, we were born as a nation in Mitzrayim. We were born in a very constricted place and we have the, we have the plans. We have the strategies to do it. We were built for this and we will make it through this. We will survive and feel some comfort in knowing that this is textbook, right? None of this is like, wow, we didn't see this one coming. Like there's so many prophecies like Lori mentioned that speak about this and say, when this happens, know that you're on the verge of something huge that's going to happen. So I, I hope that uh, that the, that gives our listeners some comfort. Lori, thank you so much for your time. This was really, really fantastic. Dora, thank you so much for your time. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you, Lori, for being for being with us all the way from Jerusalem. It means so, so much to us. And I can't wait to, please God, greet you there very, very soon. All of us, all Jewish amen, people together amen, very amen. soon. <laughs> We're waiting for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to rabbishlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.